Welcome to Out of the Comfort Zone. When you lead from a base of expertise, your confidence and credibility are derived from your knowledge. People follow you as a result. However, when you take a stretch assignment and span outside of your comfort zone, leading requires a different approach, one of influence, inspiration, compromise, and courage. We are here to talk about how to take that next step and keep going. Now, here is your host, Wanda Wallace. Welcome to Out of the Comfort Zone. Now, most of us do not love self-promotion, and we know we need to do it, or rather, we think we're supposed to do it, and we avoid it, quite honestly. So finally, I want to say that our focus today is on advice on how to brag without coming across as egotistical, boastful, chest-thumping, or whatever other negative connotation you have with this notion of self-promotion, or what we're going to say today, bragging. And my guest today is Lisa Bragg. Now, as you can imagine, living with the name Bragg, she has had to master the art and science of self-promotion, or she's chosen to, maybe I should say. And um, she's seen when being too humble has cost international deals and when bragging right has unlocked opportunities leading to lots of fortunes. Fortune. So Lisa helps high achievers of all sorts be seen, heard, and share their value with the world. She then takes it a step further to show leaders how to help less visible people on their teams do the same. Stay tuned because that's an important part. The book we're talking about today bragging rights, how to talk about your work using purposeful self-promotion. It's based on insights from Lisa's career as an award-winning journalist, entrepreneur, and consultant. It's full of stories from front end to back end from people from all walks of life and around the world. And equally important to me, it is grounded in extensive research across a number of professional organizations. So it we've got a pretty solid piece of work here. Lisa's clients are in the top 100 financial services, professional services firms, governments, association, entrepreneurs, and not-for-profits. Now, I have to say, just for fun, Lisa started her career as a broadcast journalist with stories covering everything from international tech to the neighborhood lemonade stand around the corner. She lives in Toronto with her husband, daughter, a 95-pound dog, and two rascally cats. I love those details, Lisa. Thank you, and welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to talk to you and really unpack bragging. And uh, yeah, thanks for also mentioning my family. I think sometimes we leave those details out. People are interested in those things. So it's part of our story. Especially when you have a 95-pound dog. What kind of breed is it? She's a Bouvier. And uh, people call her the blonde bombshell is what I got yesterday because we were out on our boat. We're fortunate to be on a lake right now. And she has these long ears and they're flowing in the wind. It's like, (laughs) you know, if you're of a certain era, it's like you're walking along with Cindy Crawford. The dog gets all the attention. (laughs) So her name is Luna. Because that's back to my broadcast days. You always name the pets. Luna is her name. Ah, Luna. All right. So that's funny. My brother has a dog who's a little bit distinctive. Well, he's white with a couple of black spots, but the black spots are a bit distinctive. And when my brother goes out on the lake for him, it's going fishing. The dog sits at the very front, you know, with ears flapping at the wind, like he's at the head, the helm, you know, kind of steering like a mermaid on a ship or something or whatever we call those things at the very front of the ship. He says, if I go out with the dog, nobody knows, without the dog, nobody knows who I am. 
the dog is in the boat. Oh, hi, how are you? You know, people will speak to me. And he said, furthermore, if my son takes them out, takes the boat out with the dog, they call my son my name. So <laughs> dogs <laughs> can be distinctive. But there's a bit of self-promotion right there. The dog leads the way. And so you're recognized <laughs> because of that. So that does hey, help with being recognized. So <laughs> hey, embrace it. I have to say my name, Wanda, while we're on this one, Wanda Wallace, I have hated it my entire life. I mean, who's named Wanda? Ugh. It's not a popular name, or at least it wasn't when I was in school. So you can imagine I got a lot of teasing about it. Today, it's a little more popular thanks to A Fish Called Wanda. But at any rate, it's out there now. And I was unhappy until a journalist said to me, is Wanda Wallace your real name? And I said, yes. And he says, it's a brilliant stage name. Oh, brilliant. Brilliant broadcast name is what I was thinking when I saw your name and I learned, I'm like broadcast name, broadcast style voice. It's like, it actually is perfect. So the alliteration of it. <laughs> All right. Okay. Enough bragging. Let's get on. <laughs> no, it's not bragging. That was just fun talking. All right. So I understand that your name is brag. And I can imagine with that name that you do get lots of comments and you get drawn into what it means to brag and how you brag. But apart from that fun intro detail, beyond that, why did you get interested in this topic? Enough to write a book about it. Well, it does go back to my name. And as a child being teased, a teenager, boat bragging and realizing that my success, because I am a card carrying, want to have a gold star member and I want that 100%. And so I realized at a young age that my last name meant something to other people. And I didn't realize it before that bragging had different meanings. And so that that was the start of it. And I, I would hide myself. And then I decided to become a broadcast journalist. And I would seek out people who were actually hiding. I wanted people to be seen and heard. And while the rest of journalists, journalism, journalists often go in packs because we're afraid there's massive FOMO. I'm going to miss out on that great clip that everyone else is going to get. And my news director is going to be upset. So, but I always would go the other way. <laughs> so, you know, I was always looking for that different person to put on camera. And often that different person, though, was, oh, no, not me. Oh, no, go down to that person that everyone else is interviewing. I, I don't have enough certificates. I didn't do my hair enough today or I'm not ready or, you know, always deferring to someone else. And it would frustrate me because I would see when people would go on camera with me and do an interview, I would see them then get another media opportunity. And then I would see them get on a panel and then I would see them get a promotion. And then I would get a thank you card for helping them get on camera for the first or second time and helping them through the experience and letting them be seen as the experts that I rightly had said they were, but they deflected. So that was a big part of it. And then owning a content company, helping companies get their subject matter experts online for the first time and seeing them squeamish and squeamish concerned about sharing their expertise and telling people their knowledge and showing people how we're here to serve. And so realizing those things, that's really what got me interested and interested in the psychology part. Like, what is it that holds us back from this word that people call icky? You know, yeah. what is it? Icky is the word. It's That's not a, you know, a word, but people of all walks describe it as icky. So why is that? And so that's really what set me on a journey of curiosity that I couldn't stop. Right. So why do we think this is icky? I mean, anybody in a large corporation knows that if you're not self-promoting in some ways, then you're going to find it harder to get the visibility you need, harder to have the influence you want, harder to get the next promotion that you're looking for. We kind of know that, but why do we think it's also icky? 
It's ingrained in us. We have so many old messages. So we are a lot. So bragging used to mean in 1325, it used to mean um, bravery and it meant, you know, shine and shimmer and things like that. So it was actually talking in, in good ways and people wanted to hear that. And then when we moved to factory systems, the whole organizational structures changed, right? We weren't just with our kin out on the farms and our family could see, yes, Wanda is very good at that. Let her do that. Or Lisa should not be touching those things. So we had to then go into factory systems. A lot of us wanted to, or we were forced to, because we wanted a steady paycheck. But hierarchy systems for productivity really had to change. And so for that era, it was really best for us to be a cog in the machine, put your head down, you know, put your head down, do good work, and eventually someone will notice you. How many of us still preach that? Or this one, you know, if you were that good, your work would speak for itself, or cream rises to the top, all of those sentiments that so many of us grew up with, or that it's better to be average. I talked to um, Joe Foster, the founder of Reebok, and he was told again and again, just be average. Don't put your head above, you know, all those kind of things. So we're stuck with a lot of social norms that are from the factory era. But meanwhile, we're now in the fourth and fifth industrial revolution, the imagination era. We don't even know where we are right now because technology is happening to us so fast. And so we're in a different era, but we cling to these old norms. So I think that's why it's ingrained in us. It's ingrained in us to follow the rules and rules say, wait your turn wait to be chosen. And that's problematic for a lot of us. And we don't, so then we don't talk about ourselves enough. Okay. So we've got all these phrases growing up. My mother thought it was a near mortal sin to stand out. So you can't think you're better than anybody else. And that means anything you did that was self-promoting or bragging or rightly saying, I'm proud of this thing that I just accomplished was awful, horrible, terrible never going to happen in that household. Are they Swedish or Scandinavian at all? No, Southern U.S. That's, you know, it's a very community farming kind of community, if you think about it that way. And that's just, I think it was much more church. But anyway, that was the era in which that's where I grew up. And that's where so many of us grew up with those kind of social norms. So when I conducted the research, I wanted to know why we want to just fit in and stand out. How do we fit in and stand out in this era? You know, because a lot of us, we are taught to fit in. And yes, we do need to fit in Mm because we need social cohesion, but we also do need to stand out in this global world that we're in right now. So how do you marry them both? But so many of those kind of comments came up, you know, Scandinavian countries have Jantelöven and Jantelöven is really that you have to, you know, who do you think you are? You are not better than us. Do not try to tell us anything that will make us think that you are better than us. And has all these, um, they're not real rules or laws, but they are social norms that have been conditioned into the society deeply for for a lot, for generations, but really since 1935, when a book, a satirical book was written about it, that people took seriously. So, and then other countries have similar ones. So it's not just the US South, it's, you know, people, I when I was talking about the book, I said to this woman in line in New York, and I said, I didn't think she'd be interested in my book. She's a New Yorker. We all think New Yorkers are, have gravitas. And I said to her, this is what my book is. And she said, oh, Lisa, of course that book is for me. I'm Catholic. And I'm like, okay. So, (laughs) and just all over the world, people would say that. In Australia, people have tallest poppy where they are cut down 
if they talk about their successes or they stand out. So they have it there too. So we have these cultural norms that don't really want all of us to shine. And yet some of us are selected to shine and it's not right how that works. So it, it made me frustrated when I saw all that happening in the world. I can see that. Um, I believe so much of leadership, as everybody who's listened to me regularly knows that I'm going to say, is a balancing act between two polar extremes. And you just identified another one. The need to fit in, to belong, to be part of, to be team, to be collaborative, to care about the collective or the greater good, that draw is definitely very powerful in all of our organizations today, okay? Without a doubt, around the world. And some cultures will emphasize that collectivist even stronger. At the same time, to lead is to stand out, as a psychologist once said to me, which uncracked my background, to lead is to stand out. So where is that balancing act between I need to stand out, I'm going to stand out, I should stand out to be effective, and yet not giving up the sort of collective greater good, whatever we want to call that other, that other set of behaviors, the fitting in. Yeah, it is a balance. And it's hard for all of us to find that right balance. And that's where, you know, let's get back to some definitions. So, so bragging means nowadays to talk about our successes with pride. And I like the idea that pride also means self-love. So that's one thing to say. It's not, we get confused often with self-aggrandizement. I think it's because it's a, it's one of those $5 $5 words. It's our $50 words nowadays. It's yeah. a mouthful to say. And self, self-aggrandizement is that puffery that I'm better than you and I'm looking down on you and look at all my stuff and all that kind of stuff that we hate. We don't like seeing, especially online and it gets, turns us off. And so that's a distinction that I think we need to be made is, is bragging is really about how you are here to serve. And if we're not telling people how we are here to serve, because we're afraid of what other people will think, then we're doing everyone a disservice. And so we need to articulate, here's my service. Here's how I'm a value to you. And then it's not a me, me, me thing. It sounds like it is, but it's really, here's how I'm here to serve you. Then let's partner and then let's grow and change something. And so that's what it's about. It's really saying, uh, here's how I'm here to serve. So many people are afraid to take even the word leader on and forget about expert or visionary they're afraid of the word leader. So a lot of your teams, when you're looking at them, they find the word leader even, you know, (laughs) really one of those words that's too much of a mantle for them. And so allowing that. So standing out and fitting in, it's often about context. So I wish there was a blanket formula for things. I think one of the easiest formulas though, is to say, Here's how I'm here to serve and also to shine a light on others. So when you shine a light on other people, it does come back to you. But I don't want you to always just so look at someone else and say, look over there, look over there, because you do have to claim credit. And we have to, There, it's not in the book, but there is no I in team. We know that, but there is I in credit. And so many people don't take the credit they deserve. And when you think about credit, Don't claim credit first for yourself, but think about what else other people have done and their credit for the opportunity, and then reflect on your own credit for that. So that's a few things to to start going with, to find the balance of standing out and fitting in. It's really contextual. And we also have to realize we're not in everyone's head. Well, we would love to be in other people's heads and say, this is how I want you to receive this. 
the reality is we're not. And how they receive it is often a reflection of where they are in the world, their cultural upbringing, and where they want to go. So sometimes when, when you feel that jealousy inside, when you hear someone else talking about their successes, it's not a reflection of them. It's actually a reflection of yourself. Right. All right. I want to go back. You said there's no I in team, but there is an I in credit. All right. And I'm going to say for another day, I actually think there is an I in team because I have to bring my best to the team. Absolutely. I, I have to give my ideas to the team. I, some I has to lead the team in some decisions, not to control, to micromanage or any of those negative things, but there is a space for I in team, which I think is we don't, we always go with the acronym and I think another one or the statement, it's just not a good one. It's there not. I in credit. And it's interesting, um, somebody recently was given the feedback that they didn't get a promotion they wanted because they used we too much. And on first brush, you think, how could that be possible that you use the word we too much? But you can. You can give credit to everybody so that at the end, it looks like you had no role in doing anything. So I think you have to claim legitimately your role in enabling other people to do the things that they do. And you give credit to them, but you can't ignore the I part of that either. Absolutely. All of that, 100% agree with that. And I think that sounds like a great paper and a podcast and something else with that for sure. So that is brilliant. And I think it's, we're so taught to give away credit and, and it goes back to that, that phrase. We're so stuck on these phrases and I've mentioned so many of them, but there's no why in team. We see it in so many of the professional journals too, of, you know, don't use that and don't say that. And the cream rises to the top. And so we think, more humility, more humility. And we are in this, don't talk about yourself, no ego. When so many of us, we haven't celebrated our successes and, and had any bravado, and yet we're told to tamp it down already. So it doesn't really make sense. So really, I would challenge probably anyone listening to the podcast, we need to, you know, yes, you know that you are built and here on the shoulders of giants and that we have to pay it forward. But we also have to then show up ourselves and take the credit. And credit goes where credit knows. So if Joe was the team leader last time and it was a home run, yay. But Joe checks out on this next one. He he goes off and goes on vacation and doesn't come back, comes back on the very last day. When we're celebrating, people will still look to Joe because credit knows Joe already won it. And while we think so often that, you know, oh, we're all getting the credit for it, humans aren't like that. Humans want to sing single out one person for the credit and give it to them. So it's nice oh. kumbaya to think that we're all getting it, but I I it haven't seen that. that. It doesn't work that way. We always like to single out one, whether it's for credit or for blame. We always want that one singular thing <laughs> as human beings. All right. So give me an example what a good bragging would sound like where I am balancing that need to fit in and the need to stand out. So one thing would be uh, bragitude. And I didn't make up that word. It was uh, one of those things that popped up right as I was about to finish the manuscript. I'm like, bragitude. Wow. And that's where you have a brag. So I did this thing. I won this or I got this promotion. 
And then you say, thanks to your knowledge. So if you were, if somebody was helping you give bragitude. So it's like, I did this great thing and thanks to your knowledge. So it's give, it's a brag plus gratitude. So that's one way right away to soften it or to start getting used to bragging. It's a brag with gratitude right attached to it. So bragitude is an easy one to remember. And another one comes from uh, L'Oreal. So, you know, those, the hair color and they had some of the, it seems so strange that, you know, in 1970s, they had these really ads that were moving women's liberation forward. And it was, they, it's the whole saying of I'm worth it because. So what I want from people to say, say is because, so I won this because, and again, it could be gratitude again, or because I, you know, my team really helped me. So you could say that solid brag. Now I got us to a hundred million dollar client and whatever it is. And then you can soften it by adding the because, but you have to go first. Your part goes first. Don't make this an Oscar speech where you say everyone else's names. And at the very bottom, you give your credit, you go first, and then you give credit afterwards. It's your, put your oxygen mask on first, and then everyone else gets any dues afterwards. So the word because also is one of those joiner words that people accept more because then it's not just the whole look at me, look at me, look at me kind of thing. But I want you to jump in and do the look at me first and not even have the because, but baby steps here. Baby steps. All right. So I have two things to ask you about this. One, what about saying something like, I'm really the proud of the team that I've assembled and then give credit to the team and their contributions as a result? What do you think about that as a kind of a brag? Um, the, the team I'm proud of the team I've assembled. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's okay. Because then you're saying that you're a leader who's really doing great collection of people. So that's okay. It it does. It's on the lower level of saying, here's my success, but that's a good entryway into it saying, I'm proud of the team I've assembled because, you know, and then list off the things. So that is a very nice entryway, especially if you're in a culture where you're concerned with optics and claiming things. So it's context is everything. So that's a good one. Right. Second one I have, I happen to believe that the drip feed formula on bragging works better than the big raw, look what I did. So we had, I had a great meeting with a client. There's good rapport. I'm really pleased with that. I managed to get someone else in the company to go and meet with this client. That was a good meeting. And I'm each time I'm still saying I, but I'm inching forward on the progress to we, I landed a deal or we landed a deal. What do you think of that? Oh, Wanda, gold stars to you. You know why I like it? It's moments over milestones, moments over milestones. So, so many of us wait for that great big milestone moment to say, Ta-da, look at me. And people don't necessarily believe it along the way because we haven't brought them on the journey. And so when you bring people on the journey with you, they're getting introduced to the idea that yes, you should be the CEO or move to the next level client or whatever it is, the next promotion. And so we're showing them along the way, the moments and not just the milestones. We're not waiting to get that next certificate. We're showing them along the way. And so when you bring people on the journey, they're much more likely going to believe you and celebrate with you. So yes, the drip feed moments over milestones, really important. Yeah. And that also shows the amount of work you put in. It shows the amount of thoughtfulness you put in. It shows that it did just accidentally drop in your lap and look how wonderful that is. 
you know, it's that luck. You know, people think, yeah. oh, she's so lucky. Meanwhile, they don't see the 10, 15, 25 years of toil behind me. They think, oh, I'm so lucky. And that's not the reality. We say, and when we say that, listen to yourself if you say, oh, I'm lucky. Because then you're telling the next people, your peers or the people behind, uh, you know, coming, eventually going to come, we're telling them, oh, it's either you have to be lucky or it's nothing. And so we right. think that, oh, well, she's born with it. She must just, you know, it's so lucky to be right. her. But if we show people the milestones, we're bringing them along on their professional journey too. And I think that's a real gift to give to other people. When we say, oh, it was nothing, you know then nobody else thinks they can grab that mantle and move ahead where I would love you to say, say here's how I did this come along and best me because then we can go along together and move forward together so a little Pollyanna-esque where I believe really much in abundance and not scarcity because I believe if somebody gets ahead of me it, it, we're all on our own journey so yeah. something good is going to come from it well, tracking who's ahead of me and where I stack up next to them is not terribly motivating. Tracking on my own journey and how I'm advancing myself in my next step is a lot more motivating. So there we are on that one. Um, okay, so you've given us a couple of examples. You said the that it is a balance between the fit in and the standout. You've said two formulas that are really powerful I first because I achieved this because, or you said, what was the second one I missed here? I'm worth this because we said that one. Gratitude. And I won X thanks to yeah. somebody else. Okay. But do you have other tips on how to do this? Oh, there are so many tips in the book, but I think it starts with first your mindset. So understanding your mindset and realizing the cultural and social norms. So that would be the first place I'd start. And the book does go heavily into that. But then moving forward for people, uh, there's what's one another one off the top of my head, um, brag book. And a lot of people already have that. So a smile file. Um, oh, I've had so many people say different names back. So you might already have this on your desk because it is one of those things that sounds great. So what it is, is a brag book is your journal or a an internet file, something that's off work servers, whatever you're allowed to take off and save it in that file. So kudos, a measurement that you thought was great, a, a compliment, a pat on the back that you should have received that you didn't for whatever reason, you're putting that in there all the time and adding to it. And if you have a few minutes, go back a little bit in time, not too far and start adding some things in because that's showing yourself all the good things that you've been doing and that you should keep track of. We forget so fast oh, course, all of the good yeah. things. And then when you see that folder, if it's physical or digital, and you can go to it and say, these are the good things, I'm going to keep going, or there's a red thread in all this path. What is all this? And it's a treasure trove of your potential future. So thinking about that is a easy place to start for people. But keeping with it is one of those things. I'm having a finger wave here for anyone who's, <laughs> but it's one of those things that we don't keep with. And so I want you to keep with it, making sure, because if you are, especially if you are employed within corporate, 
our leaders forget so quickly that awesome thing that you did, that goal, that client, whatever it is, they forget. And so when you you expect them to remember and give you that pat on the back and that gold star, they're on to the next emergency. They're on to their own concerns for their career. And so when you can present them and say, hey, remember, here's the last things I did for the last three weeks or the quarter, whatever you're, however frequently you're meeting with your leader. Well, I also think you should send them more emails about some of the good things you're doing, but make sure you have that for them because then they can celebrate with you instead of trying to remember. And then you're put out. I'm so put out when I was, you know, you don't remember, you don't remember. That's right. That's right. Um, I keep a personal kudos file when I'm having a bad day. I go back over and look at that. But more importantly, for people who do performance reviews, look, I can't remember what I did last week let alone at the beginning of the year or in the quarter or who it was I did meet with and how much revenue that, I mean, I just can't remember that. And if you'll put those brags in your folder yearly, then your performance review at the end of the year when you're writing it is a lot easier to do because you've got the data tangibly there. Okay. And yes, regularly. But when you've got this accumulated over a couple of years and you're trying to understand what's my brand value and how am I talking about my brand value Look back over those and you will find fabulous examples that then fit right into talking about your brand. So many gems in that. And it also like think about your yearbook from back in school days. And you look back even that year and I was like, oh yeah, I did do that. I did like, we don't remember all those things. And so keep that highlight reel ready for yourself. It'll get payoff in so many ways for your own self-love and then for everything else. So yeah. I love that. All right. So we've got the bragitude, I won X, thanks to, we've got the um, me first, followed by credit to everybody else, or I won this because, or I've done something, I've succeeded at something because. So I take credit, then I give credit to other people. Keeping a file, so you've got a reference to go back to, you can see all the good things that you've done over a period of time. All right, any more tips? One more tip. I know you got hundreds of them. Because the book does, every chapter has all these great things too. Um, I think another one is to share the joy and just just go out there. And it, so it's called share joy is another word that came from the bragitude people, but it's called shoy. And so okay. it's share the joy. So people are actually upset if they find out after the fact that you've done something and you yeah. didn't share it with them. They're put out because why wouldn't you have shared that with me? And they feel sad that you didn't feel that you could share that, whatever it was, that you kept it a secret or you only told so many friends over here. So there's a there is some psychology behind the person that's receiving that information that they feel put out. So it's joy, share the joy, and people then will receive it more. And when we hide it, it uh it puts the other person out. So just be aware of that when you're kind con- like you're going through, should I share this or not? Put it out there and know that they, most people, my research showed 85% of us want to hear you bragging. We want to hear it. We want to share, we want joy. We want to hear good news where then it was um, 12% said they would ignore you. And 3% said they would turn around and brag themselves. So, which is one upmanship, but uh, you know, so the 12%, who cares? Bye-bye. 85% want to hear that. Like, come on, let's do it. That's pretty powerful. And it is true that people that know you 
or they feel like, well, wasn't I important to you? Or don't I matter in your circle? Or why didn't you think of me? Or why would you hold that back? And I got to tell you, senior leaders, you're bad news all day long. A piece of good news delivered quickly and succinctly makes them very happy. <laughs> so share those small wins. Um, and especially if you do it with the I and we. Yeah. And that was another one. Moments over milestones. If we're gathering all the things that we've, we've collected Moments together today, Moments over milestones, because that's an example of it. Just the small wins okay. matter to leaders all the way because they want to see that progression and not just that one great big thing. So Moments okay. over milestones. All right. So we've got Bragitude. I won X thanks to. We've got the I first, the credit to other people afterwards. We've got moments over milestones. We've got joy as in share the joy. Those were all pretty good. Last thing you said is you wish people would send more email. Say more about that. Well, I do wish people would send out more information to their leaders. So one story in the book had the person who she got a thank you. Like, so she sent the thank you to her leader who then sent the thank you up the chain. And, you know, people had pictures along the way and it went all the way up. It not only made the person who received the thank you look really good, but also made her leader feel look really, really good. good too. And so he sent it up and it went all the way up and it became a bigger thing. And it was just a smaller, you know, an exciting moment, but because we shared it along the way. So it doesn't have to be email, but email still can be your Slack. It can be whatever it is, but what can be something that can contain the information that can go right. uh, forward with us? And, you know, sticky stories too. When we tell those signature stories, the stories that matter to us, when we tell them again and again, people share them. So it's about how do we make things that people are going to share? But even that one email of like, hey, right. this client is so happy. I'm going to share it with you, my leader and leaders share it above you so that the shine goes back to that employee. And don't worry about, oh, well, that I, I'm going to have to claim that credit. No, no, no. Let her have the credit, point to her, and then it'll come back to you. So right. just appreciate That's right. that. That's right. Yeah. I often say if you're going to do those emails, write them with the intention that your leader could hit forward and add a note. Don't write it where the leader's got to edit your note because then they don't send, press the forward button. Make it easy for them to do that. And, you know, if you just stop and say, look, we've worked really hard on this project and I'm really proud to see this result, you know, blah, blah, blah. And you can say thanks to some other people if you want to and off you go and share that out, you know, even saying thanks to the five individuals who've really helped make this success, copy them on it. That stuff is so easy to do. And yet it goes into your kudos column. That's exactly it. And that's why people think bragging and self-promotion and self-promotion. So you have your brag and self-promotion are the tactics. So your emails, your conversations, you know, any of the things, your social media. And people always think that self-promotion equals social media and it doesn't. I, in the book, I only have a few things about social media. You can go deep. You can go deep on your inter, you know, on Slack or in the internet that you have. Like you can go in different ways if you're part of association. It's put, filling out your profiles, all those small things that we just don't do. It's those things. And so making sure that you're sharing your information with more and more people, and it doesn't have to be your social media maven and, uh, you know, <laughs> 10 hours a day on all the new channels that they're starting up every week. So yeah, I don't want that for brand you. Brand new one coming out too. <laughs> all right, Lisa, this is a perfect place to take a break. My guest today, Lisa Bragg, the book that we're talking about, Bragging Rights. 
I think from this segment I take away, it's this wonderful, masterful combination of fitting in and standing out. I need to do both. It's moments over milestones. What I often say is the drip feed, little bits along the way, and multiple channels where I'm talking about what I've done and what I'm proud of and acknowledging what other people have done to contribute to it. So go first. I'm proud of and thanks to other people. Great tips. When we come back, I want to talk about some cultural norm differences and how to think about those. And I want to talk about managers. How are they going to help us? We'll be right back. This is Wanda Wallace, host of Out of the Comfort Zone. Do you find yourself in a role where your team knows more than you know? Are you struggling to see how you now add value? For years, I've coached leaders who have moved beyond the comfort zone of their expertise and have developed a methodology to help them make the leap and go on to do more. All of those tips are now packed into my new book, You Can't Know It All. Visit our website at leadership-forum.com or tune in to Out of the Comfort Zone for more insight. If you want more information on the articles, books, coaching, and seminars we offer, go to our website at www.leadership-forum.com. You're sure to find some helpful links, videos, and more to help you create a winning strategy for your organization. Leadership Forum, helping organizations get it and keep it. Hi, I'm Wanda Wallace, host of Out of the Comfort Zone. We have some amazing guests with some incredibly good ideas about how to take your leadership to the next level. But I find people are looking for more practical ways of implementing those ideas. So we've created an individual subscription service specifically to focus on how to apply. You'll find more about that at www.outofthecomfortzone.com. We have two additional subscription services, one for the social group that want to exchange ideas and perspectives with a group and talk about career advancement. And we have a master's level for people who want to take a deeper dive all on outofthecomfortzone.com. We hope you'll join us. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Out of the Comfort Zone. To reach Dr. Wanda Wallace or her guest, call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to wanda.wallace at leadership-forum.com. Now, back to Out of the Comfort Zone. Welcome back to the show. With me today is Lisa Bragg. The book we're talking about is Bragging Rights. And basically, I love this quote that you gave at the beginning, that in the 1300s, brag meant bravery. Isn't that fabulous? But we have all of these cultural norms and sayings, like don't stand out or, um, you know, the cream rises to the crop, the, the top, all these expressions that keep us wanting to hide our accomplishments and our successes. And we, what we know is in the modern organization, you do need to brag appropriately about the things that you are accomplishing because your leaders will not remember. People don't know what the value is that you're bringing. They don't know how to think about you for opportunities if you weren't talking about that value. Now, if you do that value just saying me, 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 you're going to have a problem. So it's a balance between fitting in 
and standing out and getting that balance right. So I love the statement that you start with me, I first accomplish something thanks to or because of, and then recognize other people. I think that's just such a lovely way to say. And moments over milestones, talk about the steady, regular, because then it's not a big brag, it's a little brag. And that feels a lot better, I think, in some ways. Okay, so we've said a little bit about cultural differences. I want to take a deeper dive in this one. I noticed particularly, let me just pick on my Japanese clients, for example, who find this this self-promotion or bragging or acknowledging their accomplishments painful almost because the culture is much more towards the collective side and away from the individualistic side. Yet if they're working for a U.S. or a Western headquartered company, they know they have to do it and they just struggle with it constantly. So what do you what have you learned about cultural differences? Help us out here. Yeah, culture. Because, you know, I, I'm in Canada. So I thought like that's what part of my curiosity is. You know, we're beside the U.S. and then we're also the U.K. We have all these cultural influences. And also I'm from Toronto where we have I think there's 185 different languages speak people are speaking now. So really an interesting mix. But people, I talked to people who had filled out the research survey from Japan because of the differences. And it was really interesting. A lot of, you know, talking to the panel, they were women and they also are in a different situation because of childcare. So they aren't actively in the workforce. A lot of them feel that they are, you know, still um, behind where we are. But one woman, woman who worked at Ernst & Young, she had worked for a traditional Japanese company and she felt very much just a number in her company. And that if you wanted a promotion, I asked them, how do you get a promotion then? Like, you know, you just, you don't ask for it. You don't talk about it. You don't signal it in any way. And they said, the expectation is that your leader will know because they're going to read your mind. And I think it's Sasura. I think it's in the book, but that's the mind reading component is that your leader is supposed to be so attuned to you to know and they admitted that it doesn't really happen. It's really, you know, just who's chosen, who's right there in front of it, front in front of the people. There's a lot too with who's going out to party afterwards. So who's mm-hmm. in front of that leader at all times? And I think we see it in all lots of cultures still too, where who's right beside the person is proximity bias. If you're going out to party and have drinks with a boss, then or golf or whatever it is. We know this, right? So we see that. And so if you're not right there because of child care or whatever, elder care, that's a challenge for you. But they have one of those sayings, another one for our book here today, a nail sticking out gets hammered down. And that's a big thing, big thing for them. But one of the stories in the book is she had such a challenge to Erica had a challenge of writing her her profile for the Ernst & Young company. So um, how do you write a profile that really promotes me and put it out there. So she really struggled with it. So it's really interesting to see that. And then, so she had to get some coaching to help her with that. And as more and more companies become global worldwide, you're going to see that because people want to be able to, HR wants to see who's out there that we could actually then promote because one leader might leave. In our time too, people are moving so fast. So we need to be able to see who's doing things and document it. So so Japan, and then I also talked to a woman who's... um, uh, a new Canadian. So she's been in Canada for a while, but her phrase was 
uh, being the model Asian is something that she's had to live with in in Canada. So uh, in the financial services area, and it's the model minority myth and don't ruffle feathers. That was her whole thing is she was told, don't ruffle feathers. And so having to work even harder than other people to show successes without showing her success. And that's a big thing. A lot of us are working so hard so someone else will see us instead of doing self-advocacy, and then we burn out. So leaders, watch for your perfectionists. Watch for those people who are doing quite a bit of the, um, oh no, not me, the self-deprecation, or I'm, re- oh yes, that was really good, but but here's all the gazillion problems that went with it. That self-deprecation, that's a real issue too. So fascinating to hear her uh, mindset of coming from that model minority myth and also what she shows her daughters that she does show her failures because the bar for her is way up here where it's unrealistic to sustain and the burnout factor is real. So yeah, those are a few examples. So I think if I'm hearing all this correctly is that in some cultures, you would expect to do bragging in a more forthcoming way, more definitive way. I want to use the metaphor louder. I don't literally mean louder as an American louder, but you would do it more. And in other cultures, like I think Goldman Sachs has historically had a culture where if you had a success, you sent it out and you expect to do that at least once a week to say, here's the success is kind of, that's the norm there. And you'll find other cultures and other countries where you do less and you're a little quieter about it, meaning you do it less often or less in a big way. Okay. I can see that. But at the end of the day, in every culture, what you're telling me is there is still some form of bragging. Most definitely. And I think it's the world is changing. So go back to the example from Japan where they're starting to see because of social media, people being allowed to. They're not allowed to speak it, but they're allowed to write it. And so Mm -hmm. especially sports stars get a pass. And that's what my research found is who gets a pass on openly bragging and really self-promoting and being really bombastic about it and loud, like who gets that pass and then who has to really do it on, you know, being that quiet, you know, but how do we become the beacon, right? That's what I want people to say. It's a beacon position. It's not, it's being the signal and not the noise. And if we can think about it that way, that we're sending the signal. So yes, if you are trying to transmit it to your boss, your mind reading, what other signals can you put around? Because you are in a very much um, a culture that doesn't really want bragging and self-promotion. So what does that look like? But because so many of us are now playing on larger fields, and if you are working for a small company, you're probably you know, working with clients that are bigger than you. And so you need to signal to them, yes, here are our successes. And when your whole team is so afraid of talking about success, they get in front of the client and then they can't say, well, here's why you should hire us. That happens. You can't say why I should hire you. You can't say why you're the best. Well, you know, well, we just do the work. Well, no, like you need to be able to articulate that as a team and people don't. And it's even those small conversations on the way to the elevator, on the way to dinner, that people aren't willing to talk about themselves, that the the client has to pull it out, then we don't have confidence in them. And I'm not screaming for the big, you know, what we think of the American bravado, which actually isn't true too. But it's not that we don't have to be that loud, bombastic way. And I'm just going to speak to the American, in my research, 
I found a lot about socioeconomic too. So gender, socioeconomic, the intersectionalities of it and who gets a pass. So we see celebrities get a pass. We see CEOs get a pass. Authors get a pass because we want to talk about our books and we need to say, hey, buy right. my book. It's really good. So certain people get a pass easily by society without anyone frowning upon it. But it's starting to change now that we are becoming you know, more and more global citizens. That's an interesting commentary. And yeah, there I can see all sorts of socioeconomic differences that would go past beyond the, just the cultural differences and some of the other obvious differences. And it is interesting to think who around you, you know, not celebrities or CEOs necessarily, but who are around you, do you see bragging? And what's your reaction to the way they bragged and how they bragged? Was it a bad one? And then maybe don't copy that. Did you have a good reaction? Then there's an example of what you could do and could say, and yeah, it's going to feel weird at first, but the more you practice it, the easier it becomes. I think there's also a clue. If I go back even to the Japanese culture, and if you define bragging as here's how I, here's how I am here to serve, here's a way that I have served. And I was able to serve this client in this way because of these other people who contributed. That is still bragging, but it isn't bragging in that icky way that we often think about where you say, hey, look at me, I'm great, and don't back it up with any substance. That's so I right. Think I think that's yeah. part of it as well. All right, let's flip. Um, oh, I do have to ask one question before we flip and talk about managers. Male differences in your research are men better? You know, the mythology is men are better at this and men don't struggle with this and women do struggle with it and they're not very comfortable with it. In my coaching practice, that's not what I see. But what do you find? Are there male-female differences? So what I had reported was that a lot of men do struggle with it too. And they struggle with where they should come in and where they shouldn't. I think it's, we see it though, when we think that it's only that men have, you know, we see so many men in those positions though of celebrities sports and CEOs. So we see that, but a lot of men did report that they have a hard time with bragging and self-promotion. The challenge is that a lot of women report that they're penalized when they when they're self-promoting and that they feel backlash to it. So that's the challenge and I have uh you know one example where a woman she was supposed to become a CEO of a major organization and then they it's one of those things on one hand, you are too self-promoting. And then on the other hand, you don't promote yourself enough. So it was almost like she was stuck in the middle of all of it. And that's why I want all of us to support and to celebrate bragging more. So we don't have that, you know, attitude of right. too much, too little or whatever it is. We need to bring success stories out into the daylight and not just have it as a spotlight. So yes, there has been women did report more women participated more in my survey too. So I just wanted to to say that where they were willing to but a lot of men had comments on it saying that culturally, they weren't able to and Joe Foster Reebok, who I mentioned earlier, he was told, you know, just be average and don't talk about your stories and then realized because he hadn't been putting his own stories out in the world. When he went online and did a search, he found that the stories weren't true. He wasn't given the credit he, that was due. And then so he wasn't able to build his legacy and he mentors so many people who are in the shoemaking field to, to develop shoes and all the things that he can do. 
but he didn't have his own story. And so he wanted to make sure that his own story was there. So he wrote a fabulous book, but owning your story and realizing that it's part of your legacy is, is critical for all of us. So yes, you know, men do have the challenge. Women, I think struggle with it a little bit more too, because we're, we're trained to be communal. Right. And to pass the mic, to pass the mic, to pass the mic. And we hear that more and more now. So really making sure that you have the mic and share the mic if you're not able to use the mic, but making sure that you uh, show up and take off that invisibility cloak that's so corrosive to us right. and stand in it. Yeah. Stand in it. So again, we're back to that notion of, yes, I need to fit in, but I need to stand out. So I need to say some I and then a bunch of thank you and becauses and appreciations and gratitude. So we're back to the bragitude, I think is yeah, a lovely yeah. way of doing this. Um, I do find that earlier in your career, it's more accepted to brag more often. And your accomplishments are much more down to you as an individual. That as you rise in your career, you're expected to give more credit to your team and less I. And I think that mix is true. I get a lot of I early and a lot more we later, but neither of those let go of both halves of the equations. It's just the mix is going to change. I think you still have to do a little bit of I later and you have to do a little bit of we earlier too. So it's, you know, thinking about where you are in the trajectory of the career and how much it's appropriate to take credit. That's really interesting because a lot, what got me on the, really, I had to make this research-based was I looked at what the research said about bragging and self-promotion to date. And a lot of the research had only been done. And these, this is research that's cited in so many of our business periodicals, which is surprising, but it's based on small, uh, small groups of university cohorts in America, in the US. So 20, 21 year olds, and they that's where bragging gets such a bad label, because they really do want to fit in at that age. And then as you get a little older, you realize you need to stand out more and more and more. So we have that. But I think too, when we're starting out, how many people say all the time, Let's help the next generation. We say that all the time, but I want to challenge people. Why aren't we helping the people right beside us or the people ahead of us? So that's what I want to say. And and that's where we have, when we're starting out, we have facilitators. Oh, yes, I'll help you. But then as we grow in our career and the pyramid of opportunity is more narrow, we start to have obstructors. And so the language needs to change because of that. And then also we need to realize, have I become an obstructor? Oh, just, yeah, yeah, because we do that because of the scarcity mindset. So realizing that, you know, we need to be champions and sponsors and mentors and cheerleaders to everyone along the way and not just helping the next generation, which is very important, but helping everyone. Okay. We've got two minutes, which is terrible because I'm going to do the manager piece in less than two minutes. You've already said when somebody sends you an email about their accomplishments, pass it up the chain. You've already said, help people understand how to do their own bragging so they can do that in an effective way. And there's tons of formulas in the book. One last piece of advice for managers on how to help their team brag appropriately. So watch for the self-deprecation. If somebody is self-deprecating, I think I mentioned this before, lean into it and have curiosity. So I think that's a really critical piece is listening for that, the over humility and giving it all away, lean into that piece too but asking for everyone to share whatever they're doing. So sharing the credit, 
making sure that people are talking about credit and not setting it up in a way that people aren't squabbling for it, but allowing people to say, here's what Jane and Joe did, and here's what I did. So allowing that culture of credit and seeing really who is that hidden gem, that person who you rely on, who's sitting at the back of the room, who does a lot of the heavy lifting, who maybe says, oh, I don't want the recognition, but I bet they do. They need the recognition to go forward. And I'm not saying they need to be on a newsletter or anything like that, but lean into what they need to be seen and heard. How do they need to be seen and heard? And helping that invisibility cloak that you think they like, it's corrosive to a lot of people. So watch who has that cloak on and see what's going on with them because it's a fundamental human thing to be seen and heard. So we need to help them. All right. So thinking about who on my team needs to be seen and heard and how am I going to help them be seen and heard, even if they're retreating into the background. Lisa, I think we keep talking. What a great conversation. Lisa Braggs, my guest today, the book we've been talking about is Bragging Rights. Um, Bragging Rights. And Lisa, if people want to reach you real quickly, where could they find you? Yeah, find me on any social media channel. I'm usually Lisa Bragg or that Lisa Bragg um, or come to lisabragg.com. Perfect. Lisa, thanks so much. Really enjoyed it. And I hope you'll come back and talk about more of your successes as time goes on in teaching people how to brag, to show how we're serving to add value. If you liked today's episode, please like us on your favorite podcast provider and definitely join us next week for another episode in getting out of your comfort zone. Thank you for joining us today. Tune in for another edition next week with Dr. Wanda Wallace on the Voice America Business Channel. Reach outside your comfort zone this week.